So I will continue with uh, another excerpt of this text by Dogen Mitsugo, Intimacy Teaching or Secret Teaching. And then we can explore a little what he is saying. And because I'm comparing three different translations, I might repeat the same phrase from another translation just so that we could see a little more clearly the facets of how we can understand what he's saying. And I use the word understand, but you'll see right away that's not quite it since I'll start. There are many ways to practice Buddha Dharma. The key, two key expressions are, quote, understanding Buddha Dharma, close quote, and not understanding Buddha Dharma. Another way of explaining that is grasping Buddha Dharma or not grasping what Buddha Dharma is. If you have not met the right teacher circumstances, you will not even know that there are such key expressions or you will not know that this exists and have misunderstood that intimate or secret talk exists You might misunderstand thinking there's some sort of secret language which leads you to shut off eyes and ears of seeing and hearing. You will think there's some sort of secret teaching that cannot be perceived by seeing or hearing. You will think that the previous comment which we opened up with about that your understanding of the matter is a condition, is the determinant, I'll add that word, for Matashapa's saying nothing being concealed, you will miss the fact that there are also cases of nothing being concealed in non-understanding. See? Or if you don't understand, that is also nothing concealed. See, it's important, especially given that we talked about just, just this matter yesterday. Not concealed meaning dharma not concealed, makashapa not concealing the teaching, does not mean that everyone can see or hear it. 
we should rather study the, quote, not concealed that we already have. That is, under clarifying the proper time when there's no place, no place that is not concealed. Therefore, we have not studied the intimate teaching as something related to a world not known through the senses. Even at the time when we do not understand the Buddha Dharma, it is still one part of the intimate teaching. I'll repeat that. Even at the time when we do not understand the Buddha Dharma, it is still one part of the secret teaching. This is surely possessed by and possesses Shakyamuni Buddha. Another one says, the very moment of not understanding Buddha Dharma is one concrete instance of intimate talk, secret talk. It is in every case the world honored one's existence and the existent world honored one. Or as when we, I was studying this text, Maizumi Roshi's comment on it, this is the absolute, the manifesting secret teaching. See? The same. When in that previous state, previous comment, Since we have, if you understand, we should not limit that or say that's only Mahakshapas did not conceal it. And Maizumi's Roshi's comment was this is the actualized because. There is also, if you do not understand, that's also Makashapa did not conceal. And his comment on that was actualized beyond actualized or ongoing absolute. So let me read one again just to repeat this in memory. Buddha Dharma, Buddha practice is many processes. Among them are the pivotal matters of understanding and not understanding Buddha Dharma. Those who have, who not having met a true teacher do not even know that these matters exist have misunderstood that intimate talk exists at random in conjunction with eyes and ears that are cut off from sight and hearing. Master Ungo, that, that was the early the opening comment, is not saying that you understanding is a condition for nothing being concealed. There are also cases of nothing being concealed in not understanding and non-understanding. So, this matter is especially important because it bears on how we live our life and how we live our practice. As long as we try to fit life 
into thinking, reasoning, feeling, considerations, understanding, we're going to have difficulties. We can see this in our own life because we can see when and where understanding and the various aspects of reasoning and feeling and considerations of understanding can result in havoc when we insist upon them in the face of circumstances that don't fit it, in the face of others who aren't fitting it. See, and, and those circumstances, if we can see it, are the moment the opportunity of experiencing, experiencing this moment, including, so to speak, our unmet or frustrated likes and dislikes and wanting this understanding in order to be in the intimacy moment, in order to be our life. That's where our practice of actualizing this moment of skillfully responding out of our presence, out of our experiencing, is called for. This is, I would call it, a lifelong koan. No matter, it's not a koan in the sense that something that you need to solve in order to get somewhere else, but it's the koan of clarifying and realizing your very life, our very life, see? It's, in a way, our opportunity in the midst of language, even in the midst of understanding, to transcend, if I use that kind of word. It's Reasoning and considerations and going beyond reasoning and considerations because because our life is beyond reasoning and considerations, beyond knowing, including, if I say it this way, the intimacy of not knowing, despite what we believe we know and what we believe we should know and so forth. See, this is really our Zazen practice and our lifelong practice with all sorts of circumstances, our own and so-called of others. That's our willingness to be beyond the limits of knowing and understanding. Not that there's any problem with knowing and understanding, but we are beyond those limits. Beyond the limits of our judgments about considerations. Because that's exactly what enriches and deepens our life practice. Our life practice intimacy. It gives if I'll say it this way, energy and strength. So, in a way, it's almost that our task in life, our practice is going beyond what I'll call the narrow perspectives of understanding and not understanding, or of, you could say, likes and dislikes of experiencing our life beyond those understanding and likes and dislikes. See? See, that's why we sometimes speak of life as our Life death koan, a life death koan, not a not a koan to be solved, but to be lived, to be clarified and re- in our life living.
to be realized in our intimacy of manifesting this. So, I bring this up just so that maybe we could further clarify what we were talking about yesterday. Um, Since I know for a number of you this was a matter you brought up after the Dharma talk yesterday. If you want to say experiencing or actualizing is in this moment entering our very life death beyond ideas, stories, understanding and not understanding and other considerations. We don't need to know in order to be able to be. You don't need to even know who you are in order to be who you are. Yet in experiencing or in zazening or in being practiced, whichever way you want to talk about it, in being intimacy, this allows us to taste, I'll say to awaken to, to manifest who we are. We can get glimmers, if you want to say, of the truth of our life and we can share it with all the those we encounter who are who are nothing but our life. Okay, I I know some of you find Dogen difficult and hopefully what I quoted from him maybe made a little more sense by using a number of different texts. In a way, Dogen uses language in order to be able not to transcend language but to radicalize it almost, to use it radically in ways beyond how we want to limit or how we end up being trapped by language. And the truth of the matter is, is our life is beyond language, though this gives us the ability and permission to radically use language in ways to manifest our life and what our life is, manifest our experiencing in the intimacy of all that we meet. Okay. I've talked too much, even though I talked less than yesterday, but maybe we can explore this together. So I'll stop now. And we can see what we might clarify that will be of help. Let's not say language, let's say understanding. See, understanding in a sense, so understanding could be reasoning, could be feeling, could be considerations, could be thinking. Um, Understanding is...
the limits that we put on our life out of the, let me say it, self-centeredness that we want to impose on our life and our experience. Let's say it that way. Um, There's many ways of understanding, and yet, if we insist on imposing that, and that what we call not understanding, what we call not fitting that, we insist that is not part of this intimacy of my life, then whether in terms of our functioning with others, whether in terms of our so-called formal practice, whether in terms of our ongoing experience, we cut up our life and miss the richness that is our life and miss the richness of the possibilities of our responding to circumstances. In a way, as as I said, t- tomorrow uh, and what day is tomorrow? Tomorrow Saturday. Saturday and Sunday um, I'm going to, in a way, take this further with linking up with, again, talking about what seems almost self-contradictory when, when I use the, when we use the title of the, the text um, loving your enemy I mean those seem to be self-contradictory we do this in all sorts of aspects of our life as you know very well if we set limits on what's music then we miss the music of the traffic that passes here all the time and supports our practice. We miss all sorts of other music of life. In the same way, if we set understanding as the uh, borders of what is our intimacy, of what is we can embrace, then, in a sense, our practice becomes very limited and therefore our life becomes limited because we miss what we exclude or, to use a different word, we decide that what we exclude, somehow that is not part of this Buddha expression, this truth of the Buddha the truth of our Buddha, our Buddha life. And can it also be looked at from, and you mentioned this, I think, likes and dislikes? Sure. Because the dislikes are the limiting, you know, maybe your likes are only this. Yes. And as I get older, I I get kind of more likes, I Uh think. Well, and to even like our not likes. (laughs) Because, because we're guaranteed that our not-likes will be part of our life, our circumstances. For, for some reason in the past few days I've had a pain, very deep shooting pain in my left shoulder. And part of my, uh, just on the most simple level of my Zazen experiencing, if I use that kind of word, is to embrace and be intimate with that, as that. Just that's that's a very simplistic way of putting it, but that's a very important part of, as you say, likes and dislikes. I certainly would rather not have this. It hurts. And yet, that's exactly what this life moment is for me when I sit. So, it's... He picks up understanding and not understanding because so many people... Obviously, he was talking to a 13th century audience, not to a 21st century audience. And yet, 
that's the way that word, those words get translated. And actually, and it's nice to see that all three, um, well, two of them use translate his words into understanding and not understanding, and one of them translates in, into grasping and not grasping. But that's close enough. And, and later on, they do use understanding. Um, so, so this is human condition. Um, human condition that we often set these limits and often think that if it's not understood, I have to res- change it into understood in order for it to be okay, in order for it to in order to embrace it, in order to have it be in my realm of experiencing, in my realm of manifesting, in my realm of part of who I am, in my realm of intimacy. And that's what he wants to encourage us to see, that that's our practice as well. No? I don't understand. Good. Good. Hardly anything. Good. And, and, and I'm not even sure. I thought, oh, well, he'll say, what do you understand? And I'm not sure I could even answer that. But see, if I say it in one phrase, it's simply, be the experiencing of not understanding, and even more, be okay with the experiencing of not understanding. Good. Good. Because that means being with people when we don't understand why and how they're doing or reacting this way and yet not responding negatively to them doing that way but responding lovingly despite the fact that we don't understand why they say or feel these things. See, that's difficult. This is living life beyond the limits of what are we like or don't like beyond the limits of understanding and not understanding. That doesn't mean... um, being in harmful or dangerous situations, but it means expanding our willingness to be the experiencing moment of our life. That makes sense. Good. See? (laughs) If that makes... It's... It's to encourage us, whether in our zazen or throughout our life, to keep entering into the intimacy of the moment, or even refusing to be the intimacy and then entering that refusal as well. See, in a way, it's always stepping forward into the experiencing moment, if I say it in such crude crude and language. You don't have to step forward in the experiencing. You are the experiencing. There's nothing to step forward into. There is no one to step forward. And yet, we can miss it. See? Well, let me quote something before. See, this is exactly that last phrase. The very moment of not understanding the Buddha Dharma is one concrete instance of intimate teaching, of intimacy. The very moment of not understanding. is a concrete moment of the Buddha revealed or 
of the manifesting absolute, if I use stiff language, or the absolute manifesting. Our tendency is to somehow want to distance ourselves from not what, from not understanding, or to react to it in a way that creates problems for us or problems for others. And you could replace not understanding with not like. You could replace not understanding with not fit what you expect. You could replace understanding with um, doesn't feel like what you want. How do we be intimate with what we don't want? That's our practice. And again, I said, don't say it, it, I don't say that this means you need to put up with abuse, violence, danger, any of such things. That, that, that's, that's not at all what this is about. And it doesn't stop you from when you're cold, putting on a jacket or any doing anything else that's responding to the circumstance or when someone is abusing you on the phone saying thank you and hanging up (laughs) that isn't don't misunderstand it that way okay there were two people here I was going to say all that you're describing it's right here right now especially January 20th we're going to have a lot of practice on <laughs> That's that, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Wait. Tomorrow and the next day we'll... We'll, we'll, we'll do right here, right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> Not that. We'll do... Well... Something. The, 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 yeah. the first word of, of, the, of the title of, for tomorrow and the next day is loving. Let's let's just leave it at that. First word is what loving. Loving. Loving your enemies. No, that's just one one phrase. There's other ones. So. Mushin, you wanted to say something. Yeah, what was I going to say now? Um, Gosh, well, the way I relate to you know from from a personal experiential point of view of what you're talking about and what's been talked about is I, 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 I came one of the things that brought me to this practice was this feeling this sense that is this all there is to life there's got to be something more to life than just the, the work days and, and the routines of life and you know you're attracted at least I was to, to the, the typical books you know the Alan Watts and the Ram Dasses and all that. And it gave me an inkling that there, yeah, there is something I'm missing. There's something more to this existence that I'm really aware of and I'm in touch with. And so, you know, I, I come to practice with that sense of gaining, of attaining, understanding and realizing all the things that you've been talking about. And it's interesting to me that as practice years go have gone on, my practice has become about less and less all the time. About instead of understanding complexity, appreciating simplicity and appreciating the the life and, and, and being intimate with and experiencing the life that I thought there should have been more too. Um, Say that again, Ed. <laughs> what did I just say? No, just that last sentence, if you can. I'm not sure I can. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, well, look, maybe it won't, I won't say it the same, but you know what? What practice has taught me is is what I was looking to improve upon was perfect as it was. I just didn't get it. I was 
you know, I, I thought that because of difficulties that come up in, in my life and because of confusions that I would have about how my life was going and what I should do, those were all problems that needed a wisdom that I didn't have in order to solve and, and in order to cope with and manage. And it turns out, you know, practice teaches me, is the answer is always simplicity. It's not complexity. It's not understanding what Dogen is trying to, to mean or, you know, get, get wrapped around these, these word plays that he uses. Because he uses them for that very purpose. So we get wrapped around them and notice that we think we're going to understand what Dogen is talking about. And what Dogen is talking about is just our day-to-day life. It's just the things that we do and see and think and feel all day long. Nothing different than that. And what practice is about is is simplifying our perspective, not our life. Because our life is simple. It's our perspective that, that gets complicated. <laughs> because, at least for me, it was... You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person that likes to solve problems, likes to figure out complicated solutions to complicated problems. That's how I make my living, and I, I enjoy doing that. But I try and do that with my life, and in a way it breaks your life when you, do, when you do that. You break it up into pieces that you try and put back together, and there's no benefit to that. There's no, there's no peace there. Your life as it is, is enough. Nothing more is needed, nothing more is required. Except that, like, like Dogen is saying and Genyo is saying, we separate ourselves from that. We, we create this gap of, I understand or don't understand. As if there's me and understanding and not understanding. And once that gap is there, it gets filled up with all kinds of crap. We're really good at filling up that gap with all kinds of things. You know, the less clear our vision becomes, I think, when we do that. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got one off. <laughs> well, that's that's why yes, yesterday we <coughs> talked about the no gap yeah. aspect of this. <clears throat> right. The no gap. Or the no gap could also be said as the no including and excluding. No including and excluding. In a way, you could say, Dogen here is saying that all sorts of things, whether it's what we understand or what we don't understand, what is sutras and fancy words, or even something that's someone calls it an alcoholic's delusions, even those things are the possibility of an expression of this Buddha life that we are. If you use something like that. Or even the sad, difficult circumstances of illness and death. The sad, difficult circumstances of coping with those and grieving of those. I think what crossed my mind is, you know, when I see a painting that Mm. I like, before I know anything about the person who painted it or what he or she, you know, what kind of you know, what kind of medium they used, what, anything, is the experience mm-hmm. that, that I had. And it goes, wow. And then you also need the experience of, oh, to, that, to another painting. The experience of, oh, to another painting. And though, oh, and wow is not the same. They're both opportunities. Well, there's a, you can go wow to the uh, 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> you say so. Well, I'll say a, a little different. I'll say when you go wow to the uh, then you can really go wow to the wow. <laughs> But we shouldn't say it that way because otherwise we'll, we, we will believe that, oh, that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get this new ability. And it's really not about getting something new. It's discovering that your very life as it is is this wonderful manifesting of the wisdom of the universe. Discovering that all along your life is the opportunity to radically use all of the universe in manifesting who and what you are and who and what this Buddha Dharma life that you are is. It's beyond the limits that you place on it. Okay. Um, a number of years ago, I worked in a, a program. I have to change. To, wait, I'm gonna, excuse me for a moment. I have to change to face you because otherwise, my, because my eye doesn't see. I, it, uh, <laughs> so. That's, wow to the. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What, what we did, and I had never taught anything mm-hmm. before, the, the teaching artist would go and look at a painting, and without going into who painted it and mm-hmm. all that material, um, he just stood and looked at it and wrote down what was there, mm-hmm. just what was there, the kind of stroke, the kind of colors, the kind of shape, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you come to some kind of, oh, it's about blah, blah. Then, in in dealing with uh, the teachers who I was uh, mm-hmm. talking about, then you try and find some kind of an exercise that would bring that painting mm-hmm. up, that painting that I had looked at. And it, you know, it could be anything. So that when you take them to see the painting, they do go, oh. get it in their belly yeah. and then you can talk about who the painter was and all that yeah. linear stuff see you do know you do understand it well and art I do <laughs> that's just another aspect of this life isn't that everyone you meet is arting their life or if you want to say painting their life in three dimensions animation in front of you in multiple medias I hadn't thought of it that way (laughs) but that is the way it is during your talk today you said something about uh, so called others and yesterday you mentioned something about that too. Um, I don't remember how you said it, but I this has always been interesting to me about the others. Uh-huh. And when you say so-called others, uh, I think you yeah. said something like, "Well, everything's really ourselves," or something like that yesterday. Um, and um, I don't know. I I don't I don't I don't that I don't understand. I mean, I can see how. Certain things say, let's say something comes up and annoy, I get annoyed by something and I notice, oh, you know, I do that too. Somebody else is doing something that annoys me and I say, oh, oh, I can say, oh, I do that too. So I can see how, you know, there's characteristics of, you know, this being in other people or other people in this being, whatever. But I still think there's other people. There's others. Good, good. So, in a way, 
that's tomorrow and the next day. But, but, it is. But, when you, what, what, do, you, what do we end the sitting with? What's the verses that we end? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't run over that so quickly. Caught in the self-centered dream. Okay. okay, so what So what did you just say? Self-centered <laughs> dream. <laughs> yes. So, what is, isn't that talking about just what you asked? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, you... How is that different? Is it, isn't that what what you're saying? You're caught in the self-centered dream. Clara, what is that? See, in a way, that's what we're talking about, clarifying. Mm-hmm. Self-centered dream is exactly this self-other dream that we are caught in. It's not, of, co- of course... Your, your name is Faye, and my name is not Faye. So I'm the other to Faye, of course. And if, and if I said my name is Faye, people would look at me and say, hey, that's not your name. Of course. And when mail comes to Faye, they don't give it to me, they give it to you. But, caught in self-centered dream. You've said it at least a thousand times. So what is it that you're saying there? See, in a way, that's that's what we have to clarify. That's exactly the point that you're asking about. And explaining it, in a way, takes away from clarifying it at this point. Because you've heard all sorts of things about it. You've heard me talk about it. You've heard Jokel talk about it. You've read about it. You've heard Dogen talk about it here. You've heard, if I remember, I, I opened up with that quote from um, Shito about, oh, there it is, the, the Buddhas did not have self, nor is there anything that was not their selves. That was the quote. That's, I think, what you were referring to yesterday. Yeah. yeah? And in many ways, that's what we're talking about. So, good. Good that it's, you keep on gnawing away at it. And tomorrow, the next day, we'll clarify it further. But in a way, that's the ongoing practice. To study the Buddha way, says Dogen, is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self doesn't say you have, doesn't say you don't have. Forget self. To forget the self is to be awakened by the universe, by the myriad dharmas. It doesn't say in the four practice principles not having a self-centered dream. It says caught caught, holding on to it, holding if you look this this upcoming newsletter article is going to continue this in fact it's going to continue it because I talked about it several weeks ago in terms of attachment so that's so good, good so, so notice how strongly it is, and just look at what when you are feeling holding to that self, be that experiencing. Be that experiencing. Or when you're holding to, uh, that's other, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Be that experiencing that you're calling not me. Whether it's so-called inside, mm-hmm. could even be not understanding is not me. Just the state of not understanding something or not liking something. That's not me. Or having a pain in the shoulder. That's not me. Or that shouldn't be me. Right there. That's our... So be that experiencing, this is not me. 
I sometimes have that experience just working with these roads. Uh-huh. <laughs> because uh, it feels like, well, that's not me. I mean, every time I move one way, the road goes the other way. Uh-huh. And it never seems to go right the way I want it to go. Yeah. And it, it just feels like it's other than me. Yeah. But it's, you know, not really. But it's yeah. just like my, I mean, how close, you know, can it, like my skin, how close to me is that? Or my, these robes that I still seem to, to fight and uh, almost insist that it's not me and it's not the way it ought to go. Like they have some, they have their uh-huh. own little uh, intention to, to do yeah. something, like their own little being, as it were, you know. <laughs> There's a nice koan, which I'll paraphrase. When someone asks what's under their robe, he doesn't, and it can't respond, his teacher says, what, ask me what's under the robe. What's under the robe is intimacy. That's under your robe. And if you want it to be not you, you know, I'm wearing these robes to help you. That way it helps you wear your robes. (laughs) What do you mean, what's under these robes intimacy? It's a cone. Just just leave it as a quote. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that what you are? In your, what's in that bag of skin and bones? Intimacy. What is it that you encounter from morning to night? Intimacy. In everyone you meet, intimacy. In everyone you don't meet, intimacy. But, but we each get to practice our life for ourselves, and yet we do it for and with everyone else. say it's always there because there is no there where it is but intimacy is our life Mm. is our life opportunity if I say it in such uh, awkward way and yet it requires us to be the intimacy that we are Mm -hmm. or it is us who hinders the intimacy that we are, though it isn't hindered, yet it can seem so for us. So when we, somehow with our perception or our thoughtlessness or whatever, make it inaccessible, Okay. You could you could say that. That's a little that's what we're saying, caught in self centered dream, holding to self centered thoughts. We're talking about how we miss our life. So is intimacy the awakened life, the awakened and we we I don't want to use too many fancy words because then we get ideas about it. Intimacy if I once you start saying intimacy is, then I won't even say intimacy. I'll say intimacying, just like we use the word experiencing, because then we otherwise we get an idea. This this thing called intimacy as a noun. See, we we like to 
break up things into nouns and verbs and subject, object, or self and other. I mean, because not because there's anything malicious to it, because every because people in all languages do it and in all cultures do it. I mean, notice Dogen is, as I said, talking to. 13th century Japanese speaking in Japanese or in Chinese, not in English. And Buddha's teaching was for people in, you know, 5th century before Common Era um, or 6th century before Common Era, sub Indian subcontinent speaking in uh, either Sanskrit or Prakrit or who knows what language. Um, and so it's, but each of our languages has the tendency to want to push us into that subject, object, self, other, like, dislike, delusions and choices and attachments because that's what those languages do naturally. And that's part of being human. There's no problem with those except if we get trapped by them. There's no problem with those because they're very useful. They make it possible to communicate and possible to share and possible to do all sorts of things. So it's a wonderful tool. But if the tool takes us over and we forget that it's a tool, instead we think it is who we are, then it becomes who we are. And because it's inherently limited by becoming who we are, it brings us the gifts of suffering and harm because that's inherent in its structure. So the words are great, but we don't have to get rid of them, but we have to be able to use them radically beyond the rules and the limits that they want to impose on us. Instead of letting them use us, we use them. Then we can use all sorts of things. We can use this so-called self and others, and we can use this so-called life and death to go beyond it. And there's nowhere else to go. So we go beyond it by being this experiencing, if I say it in such a way. I was just thinking of it comparatively with uh, the Bodhisattva's vow, the mm-hmm. place that says the food and clothing is right. the warm flesh and blood of the yes. second life, and how it heaps on <laughs> devices that awaken us to that. Right. You know? And so I would, it's kind of the way we're comparing when there's a truth and it speaks to me, oftentimes if I see it somewhere else and can resonate with it there as well I get it I get it it's like that body experience of understanding Mm -hmm. your belly so yeah that's what I was looking for is that I'm working with intimacy holding it off another place that caught me was um, inclusion and exclusion today Mm -hmm. yeah do you want to say more about that? No, I, no. I think that's enough. All right. Unless someone wants to bring something up. But I think I've spoken so much that uh, I'm almost sick of hearing myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you were reading the Dogen, I, I was imagining this sphere and that we all kind of inhabit. Uh-huh. And that a lot of it is built by the rules that we say, this is life, this is this is me, this uh-huh. sphere that's sort of created by our ego, I guess. It's like, this is dawn, and, you know, this is the way life is supposed to be, and this is my husband supposed to be like this, and my car's supposed to behave like that, and, you know, the general politic is supposed to be this way. But then we're really, I mean, that's a very that can be very painful because our sphere is constantly hitting these these beliefs we have or these, these rigid sort of wall that we built around it. And that that's what I was imagining when you were reading this Dogen thing and that 
Uh-huh. Maybe we really aren't this hard sphere, we're more sort of like this protoplasm, <laughs> kind of a jelly, uh-huh. and that if, if we kind of let that sphere be more uh, permeable and realize that, you know, we're just keep wanting to create this rigidity. Um, I mean, that's what was going kind of where my yes. mind was going with that. And then I think of, sometimes this comes to me, a friend once said, you know, I'd gone to a carnival and I'd been on a Ferris wheel and I'd been on a uh, roller coaster. My friend said, you know, you realize you're on the biggest carnival of all, all the time. It's called life. And we're constantly on this ride. And, you know, we want to really kind of hold ourselves in to protect us on this ride, but it's actually so much bigger than we are. Right. And I, I, I find thinking about that, this is the big ride, you know, this is, and it's fun, <laughs> but it's scary, uh-huh. and it's all yeah. these things, and, you know, if we can just let ourselves go on this ride, I don't know if self is the right word, but sure. it, it tends to be a lot more fun that way. <laughs> There's a lot of rides I don't want to be on right now. <laughs> but but you <laughs> but might get to be on them. I might get to be on them anyway. But um, yeah. I don't know. It was a, those are the kind of things that were coming up when you were talking about Dogen in, in my sort of little sphere here. Well, I, I liked your... You, as you were talking about the sphere, it's something uh, came to me that... My, my son is a mycologist, um, and one of uh, the aspects of that perspective in biology is that um, we see certain things, you know, with trees, we see trees and we see some of their structure. And then we know underneath the, the earth they have roots and they go a certain direction. And then part of mycology is that there are further and further um, strands of other beings that connect to those roots that extend in all sorts of directions that we do not see except occasionally when their fruiting bodies come up in some form of mushroom or or other out of the soil. And in a sense, we extend in all sorts of directions like that. Some of them on, I mean, mycology, my, um, uh, let's say, mycorrhizo it, um, extend both invisible and to us invisible um, directions and, and uh, extents that we can see a little bit and we can't see a lot. And we can't even detect a lot because it's under the earth, but also because we don't have the abilities to detect aspects of it. And in a, in a sense... When you say that you're the, the sphere, fine, but also that sphere extends in all sorts of directions and dimensions that we can see and not see. Um, and if we keep insisting that it, my self is just this sphere and that self is just that sphere, then in a sense we've limited whether the sphere is so-called understanding or the sphere is so-called self and other, or the sphere is like versus dislike, or all sorts of other ways of expressing and not expressing it, which is why in our practice it's not a matter of what I say, you say, you read, or even the instructions of practice, but it's the life practicing of zazening, if I say it that way, being zazen in sitting and in all aspects of life, whether you so-called know those aspects of your life or don't know. It's going beyond the limits of who you think you are in just sitting upright or walking or responding or in all the ways that human functioning is. And the more we allow ourselves to be beyond the limits of what we think we are, the more we allow the myriad dharmas to awaken us, which is what our life is, which is what the Buddha seeing the morning star is, 
is the Buddha morning star who's awakened. It's not, you know, some being inside a bag of skin. Because we know, even in our so-called um, limits of brain science, when we look at and we try to understand consciousness or awareness, we know it's more, it, it, we don't know, but we know that the synaptic, chemical, electrical connections aren't the limits of what we are, but we don't know anything else. So that is where we can work and do whatever needs to be done, and that has effect. And yet, we know that we don't understand more than that. But anyway, I'm, I'm talking too much, so let's, if there's anything anyone else wants to bring up. Yes, sure. So when you were before talking about language and culture and you know various civilizations that you know do all this stuff, their intimacy is always two. And is that two? Pretty like much two. You know two. T W O. Yeah, T W O. Is it? Yeah, well, that no, it's not. But I mean, that's what the, our culture, our and, and you know, and what we're brought up into, and and we insist that's how it is. But that's not what I hear from your right. talk. At intimacy is not two, it's maybe not even one, but it's not. Yeah, not just is it? Isn't that not two? Is is an, a fundamental expression of Buddha Dharma? Is your intimacy? Does that require two? Does the feeling and experiencing of intimacy require two? For you? Not quite sure. Good. <laughs> be, be not sure and, and taste two. it. I always think two. Does experiencing require two? Does azening require two? So we'll continue tomorrow, though seemingly uh, different different texts. There are several texts. So, but though it's different, it's not two. <laughs> Thank you.